Hey y'all, welcome back to another edition of Chats from the Blog Cabin, the show where I invite people into the blog cabin to chat about life. I'm Melissa, your host. Today I'm chatting with Sarah. She's a certified parent coach and you're probably wondering what is that? And actually when I booked her for the podcast, I often thought, what is it exactly? Who, what does she do? But she has a unique perspective of working with biological parents of foster children being a foster parent herself she knows what these children go through and sees firsthand how she can it's the best interest sometimes in the child to get back with the biological parents so i hope you enjoy this show and you know what i need you to do right now that's right start listening hey guys welcome back to another edition of chats from the blog cabin today i am joined by sarah she is a certified parent coach so, Sarah, before we get into talking about what a certified parent coach is, why don't you introduce yourself? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Melissa. Uh, as you mentioned, my name is Sarah Salzat, and I'm a PCI certified parent coach. And it's an individual who works with parents, depending upon their spe- specific niche. And I went through the graduate level program at the Parent Coach Institute in order to receive that certification. Specifically, I work with mainly biological parents of children who are in the foster care system. What made you decide to start doing this? That is interesting. If you would have asked me five years ago if I'd be a PCI certified parent coach, I probably would have laughed. Uh, I was working in corporate America and I was a professional trainer and it's what I had done for 15 years. That's what I thought I'd do for the rest of my life. And then my wife and I decided to be foster parents. And we accepted our first placement and it didn't go well. And we needed support. And it wasn't there. It wasn't available Mm -hmm. for us. So I went on this crazy journey of reading and listening and attending everything that I could possibly find on parenting and foster care, and brain development. And one of the workers we had said, you need to do something with this. Like, this is an amount of knowledge that Mm -hmm. is uncommon. And I thought, well, you know, I could work with parents. And if I'm being entirely honest, I thought being a parent coach was a joke. So (laughs) I didn't, I... I come from the era of hearing people be life coaches and career coaches mm-hmm. and just being like, mm, not sure about all that. And so I found a program, the Parent Coach Institute, and it's a year long graduate level program. They partner with Seattle Pacific University for credits. Mm-hmm. And I discovered it's a very rigorous program. And there is a lot that goes into that as a career. So I completed the program and I started working with foster and adoptive families. And I realized my passion really lies in working with biological parents. I love helping parents develop the skills necessary to reunify with their children. Mm. And so I pivoted my business at the start of COVID and started working with biological parents. So why did you decide that the was there a specific case that you can talk about that you decided that you wanted to work with the biological parents instead of just the foster parents or it had nothing to do with the cases that I was working with for parent coaching. It had everything to do with my personal life. 
we are foster parents and we've had little itty bitties and we've had teenagers and everything in the middle. And it was actually in my work with the parents of the kids that were in our home that I realized there's not a lot of supports for mm-hmm. these parents and there's not a lot of there's not a lot of non-judgmental supports for these parents and when we had older children they were able to articulate more clearly about wishing that they could live with their biological families and not really understanding why they couldn't and I just I was open to the possibility of other possibilities and I was open to relationships that some people may not be and I quickly realized that that's where my passion lies. If I want to help kids that are in the foster care system, the best way I can help is by helping their families reunify with them. And that's foster care is such a a noble for someone to take in someone else's child and knowing that full well that they may not have that child, that child may go back to their biological parents. That's a very hard thing to swallow, but it's a noble profession. So what made you decide to get into that? Uh, We decided that we wanted to be parents, but it actually started years before that. Um, I have always worked with at-risk children. I've always volunteered. I've done reading programs, Big Brothers, Big Sisters in the states I've lived in. And I, like you said, it's noble, like the idea of wanting to care for someone else's child. And I, if I'm being entirely honest, we had that same idea. Like, oh, we're doing something great. We're, we're being so helpful. And it was throughout the journey that we really saw how big of a trauma foster care is, even when done in the best of ways. So let's talk about some of the trauma that you helped the parents and the children go through, you know, to get through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think everybody's story is a little bit different. Some parents struggle with mental health struggles. Some parents struggle with AODA struggles. Some parents struggle with generational trauma. Some parents struggle with a combination of all of those. And it really is unique to each individual parent. And the one thing that's consistent among all of the parents that I work with is they all love their kids. They just don't know how to move forward. Oh, wow. It's like they, they history keeps repeating itself basically with the generational. I see that. Yeah. So how did they get to come to you? You know, because you said that you work with the parents. How do you find these parents? Or is there a certain program they have to go through or something like that? Yeah. So I partner with one of our local counties here in Wisconsin and the social workers refu- uh, um, uh, refer clients to me and they come to me by way of one of two programs, either family recovery court, which is a very specific type of court that you're only allowed to participate in if you have a significant drug or alcohol mm-hmm. um, problem. And then through regular child protective services where your children are in out of home care. And very often parents that are in that situation 
um, they're required to have a parenting service. And then I also get referrals from the local um, mental health hospital in the greater Milwaukee area. I receive referrals from past clients and things along those lines. So I have a few different referral sources. So when they come to you, what are they specifically looking for most of the time? Well, that's my little poodle. He wants to say hello. (laughs) I'm surprised my Shih Tzu, she's in here. She's on the couch. I'm surprised she hasn't barked yet. (laughs) Uh, If I'm being entirely honest, the first session that the parents come to me at, they all tell me there's no reason that they should be going through my service. Mm. Uh, That is probably my biggest hurdle is that because the parents are being referred to me as a required service or a court ordered service, they're not coming to me saying, oh, I have a problem and I need help. They're coming to me because the judge and the social worker said, you're going to talk to this lady every week and you're gonna work on stuff that you might not agree that you wanna work on. So it's my job to not only help them feel comfortable and feel safe in engaging in these services. It's also my job to kind of figure out where their struggle points are and where we can build on their strengths in order to help them feel more confident in their parenting and have more successful interactions with their children. Yeah, I can see where it's defensive. Like, I don't know, I'm not supposed to be here. I don't know why they should do that. I so can see that. Exactly. Exactly. How often, I mean, you say it happens most of the time, 99% that that when they come to you, they're like that. During your journey, when do they start opening up and are listening to start the defenses kind of fall? When you are working with these parents and they're coming in and they're defensive, Mm -hmm. how many sessions does it take them to finally let their guard down and realize that you're there to help them and not there to try to take their kids away from them? It's going to sound really confident and really arrogant, but usually we can get there in the first session. Uh, Not always. There are definitely people who it takes a little bit longer, but that's where I'm really skilled at in letting people know that they're safe and everything will be okay in having these conversations with me. And I'm not here to judge and I'm not here to change everything. I'm here to find out what's working and build on that and also do a lot of education on what different parenting styles does to the brain and how relationships impact everything in life. Mm -hmm. And I help parents really understand that, yeah, some things didn't go well. Some things were a pretty big struggle and they were a problem, but that doesn't mean everything was terrible. And if they don't get it in the first session, I send follow-up emails and their social workers are included in that. And when they realize that some of this stuff that maybe they're just not ready to talk about with their social workers and it's not necessary that it's in the emails, it's not and we can move forward strength-based while also addressing struggles. Wow. I love that. I love how you show what they're good at, but also, hey, here's what you might need a little bit of help at. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people go, 
and they just point out the negative, 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 and you get so crushed down that you don't feel like you're going to ever escape the negative. So I love how yeah. you focus on the strengths as well. Exactly. And people know where they're not doing well. People know where they're lacking. Most people ruminate on it. If you think about anyone that you know, or yourself or myself, I know where I'm not good. Nobody has to tell me that. Mm -hmm. Nobody has to tell me where I struggle. A lot of people struggle with identifying their strengths and yeah. knowing how to leverage those strengths to overcome where maybe they struggle a bit. Yeah, that's so true. So when they come in and they're going through these are they the kids all different ages? Are they from mm -hmm. like newborn to teenagers? Absolutely. In addition to the parent coaching and the parent child interaction work that I do, I have supervised some visits and I have had tiny little babies at the mm -hmm. visits and I have had right around the teenagers and everything in the middle. Wow. Mm hmm. So have you ever had uh, parents come back and thank you for letting, for teaching them the skills that they need to learn? All the time. And I did an event yesterday, actually, where uh, I had gathered gifts. I had purchased a few hundred dollars of gifts and a bar worked with a DJ, uh, Hot 105.7 in the greater Milwaukee area. And it was... Um, CJ's pub and they gathered all of these toys and we allowed or I allowed the biological parents to come and pick out gifts for their children and gave them wrapping paper and everything that they would need to provide these gifts because so many people do toy drives mm -hmm. but they give them from the social worker or from the foster parents mm -hmm. or from nobody and parents never get to give their kids gifts because they have a hard time sometimes having enough money for food. And yesterday I had a little less than a dozen parents come to pick up gifts. And my wife was there helping and she walked away. She's like, they were all so excited. And you can tell how appreciative they are of the work that you do with them. And... I don't know of any person that I've ever worked with that after a couple of sessions didn't say thank you. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Now, is, is being a certified parent coach, is that something that is all over the country or is it just in select areas? Or Yeah, so there's different programs that certify. I'm certified through the Parent Coach Institute. Uh, there are a number of other institutes as well that do parent coach certifications. There are parent coaches all across the country. And what's really neat is we all specialize in different things. I'm pretty, I'm pretty dialed in to a very specific subset. Some of the people I went through with the program, they work with toddlers or school age children. So if anyone reaches out and they're struggling with toddlers or school age children, I know some amazing people to mm -hmm. refer out to, or if um, you're very faith-based and you'd like faith-based coaching, I know someone great to reach out to. And that's what's great about the parent coaching world 
is we're all kind of connected and we all like to stay in our lanes. So we refer out to people. I love that. There's not, it's a community over competition. Exactly. And it's mm -hmm. basically, it's also helping the kids because that's what you're based on anyways, is community over competition. Exactly. And we all want to help the parents that we're the best with. So if I'm not the best person to help you, that's okay. I don't feel a certain way about that. I'm going to find someone who can help you with the struggles that you're currently experiencing. Now, you said you work with a certain subset. What is your subset that you work with? My specific group is foster care. And then my specific subset is I specialize with biological parents. And if I niched it even down even more specifically, it's biological parents of children who are in foster care where the adults also struggle with AODA or severe mental health challenges. What is AODA for those who don't know? Yeah, so that's alcohol and other drug uh, dependencies. I can't recall what the acronym stands for, but you struggle with either alcohol or other substances. Okay. So when you get these kids, you already have kids that you, you said you're currently fostering now. So do you work with their biological parents or is that something that you kind of are hands off on? Yeah, you caught me at an interesting point because I got an email earlier today. We're closing our fostering license mm -hmm. and we're not going to foster anymore. We adopted just one of the most amazing people in the entire world. She is an adult now mm -hmm. and she came to live with us when she was a teenager and we do reach out to her mom. And actually, I don't think she can hear this being recorded. And I don't think it's going to come out before Christmas. But I pulled together a photo album. And I was able to reach out to her mom and get some baby pictures mm -hmm. of her and her mom. And I'm just, I'm so excited for her to have those. And I think, and all of the other kids that we've had, I also work with their parents as well. Because... No matter what happens, no matter if adoption does happen, that doesn't erase the life they had before they came to live with you. Yep. And it doesn't erase that love. So we don't seek to replace parents that mm -hmm. came before us. We actually on her adoption invitations, it said adoption is when a family tree becomes an orchard. Oh, I love that. That's so <laughs> cool. Yeah. So you just said that you're going to close out your fostering license. Why did you make that decision? Yeah, that was one of the hardest choices that we've ever had to make. Because uh, we haven't been fostering for that long. Just it'll be six years once our license closes. And why we decided to do that is because, number one, I own this business. And I spend a lot of time helping other children, uh, helping other children reunify with their parents. And that's really where my passion is. And number two, being a trauma parent is hard. Mm. It is exhausting. And regardless of the age, there's different struggles. Things don't get better when they get older. They just mm -hmm. get different. Mm -hmm. And we have decided we really want to focus on being the best parents we can be to 
the children that are in our home and also the children who have been in our home mm -hmm. that we continue to support. And when push came to shove, I figured the best way I could support the foster care system was to invest the energy I would put into parenting into helping other parents upskill so that they can parent mm -hmm. their children. So in a way, you're still involved with the fostering of the kids because you're fostering the relationship between the biological parents and the kids and the foster parents as well. So I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so do you deal with the foster parents at all? You said your niche is biological parents, but do you have them kind of come in and meet mm -hmm. with the biological parents so that they all are like one team together? That is the goal, always the goal. And I do now and again work with the foster parents of some of the, uh, I work with the foster parents of some of the children who I work with the biological parents, especially when we're kind of at that point where the case is transitioning from reunification to adoption. And then the focus really becomes building that relationship, building that orchard for the betterment of that child and helping with that transition. Well, I, I mean, I applaud you so much because a lot of people won't take on foster kids because they think that they have problems. They don't want the baggage of having the biological family involved and mm -hmm. everything like that. So I applaud you for looking out for the best interest of not only the child, but for both families involved, because I think a lot of people yeah. either want to push the biological parents away or want to push the foster parents away. And you're trying mm -hmm. to identify it so that the kids still have both. I love that. Exactly. So um, what is the biggest challenge that you had to come overcome during your certified parent coaching? There's a couple different ones, but the one I'll talk about now is honestly, I think a really big struggle I had has less to do with the clients I work with and less to do with the work that I do. And it was before I even started seeing clients. And it was my really gaining clarity about what I would be doing, who I would be helping, how I would be helping them, and how I would be able to still have a work-life balance. And I think if you talk to anyone who works with people who struggle with mental health or drug and alcohol issues or people who struggle like chronic homelessness and intergenerational trauma, you have to make sure that you're taking good care of yourself mm. so that you don't, uh, you don't get exhausted because you can't pour from an empty cup. So the biggest struggle for me was really making sure that I was set up to be able to be the greatest support mm -hmm. for the people I served. Now, because it's got to be emotionally draining as well, correct? Oh, yes. <laughs> but how do you compartmentalize or do you wear your heart on your sleeve? I, interestingly enough, I do a really good job of keeping work life separate, which is interesting because COVID, I work out of my home and mm -hmm. about 15 steps that way I'm in my kitchen. So it's hard to keep work life separate when it's on the same floor, but through, I work with a therapist for myself and 
just self-preservation, I find a way to keep that balance while also investing fully with the clients. And I have gone through the level one training for from the TheraPlay Institute, which is parent-child interactions, utilizing a lot of play. And in that, you are taught, you get involved, you have to give so much of yourself. And so I've had to find a way to kind of balance the two. I love how you say that you work with a therapist because I can imagine you have a lot of emotions going around and Mm -hmm. it's making it almost people need to realize that talking to a therapist is just a normal part of life. It's just like you're talking to a friend. You're just venting and getting every all these emotions out. And a lot of people think that when you go to see a therapist, people need to realize that talking (laughs) to a therapist is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. it's to help you get your emotions out and not mm-hmm. something that, oh my gosh, it's such a hush hush. We shouldn't be talking about this. I can't believe they actually go see a therapist. Oh my gosh. You know, that stigma around mental health. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I, one of the things I tell my clients that I work with is everyone is one bad situation away from child protective services involvement. Whether that means your kids are removed or anything along those lines, everybody is one bad situation away from it. And do I think that I'm at risk? No. Have I had CPS called as a foster parent? Yes. Was it because Mm -hmm. it was a biological parent who was mad um, because their kids were in care? Yes. But Mm -hmm. does that change the situation? No. Mm -hmm. And like you said, emotional involvement, if I'm going to make sure that I stay clear and I stay focused, um, I do. I don't think anything of working with a therapist. I think it's one of the greatest things that I can do myself for my clients. What I love, what I'm hearing is you have the love for these children that you're looking for their best interest, no matter how much it's going to hurt you to actually let them go. Because when they're in your home, obviously you love them, but Mm -hmm. going back, you know, the right thing is to be back with the biological parent. If it's the right situation. Oh, you hit the nail on the head. It is so hard because it's hard to keep that distance when you bandage up their their bloody knees and you snuggle them to sleep and you listen to their greatest fears and you hear what happened that they had to come stay with you for a while. So the idea of letting go and trusting that everything will be okay when they go home is it's scary and it's hard and it's emotional And we've had a number of children who lived with us for a while and then no longer lived with us. And I think what people need to realize is they don't leave your heart and they don't leave your mind just because they don't live with you anymore. So I spend a lot of time building relationships. So when they are reunified, we're not cut off and we can still maintain a connection. So you still have the connection with the kids that Mm -hmm. you fostered in the past. I love that Mm -hmm. idea. And the parents were open to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you think it's because they knew that you weren't trying to quote unquote, steal their kids away from them, that that they had their best interest at heart? I think it's a hard thing for people to understand. And I think 
as you said, the general public thinks that foster parents just steal kids. <laughs> that's a that's a widely accepted idea. Um, but letting people know, like, I don't judge. I don't understand what happened to lead up to this situation. And we can't go back. We can't should. So we can work today to a more ideal future. Now, what did your wife think about it when you said you wanted to be a certified parent coach? Were you married at the time or no? Yeah, we were married at the time. Like I said, I was working in corporate America. I was wildly successful in corporate America. I never thought I'd leave a six-figure job to start my own business. And I never, like, the idea of starting your own business is terrifying. Mm -hmm. And I didn't launch to not working in corporate America to just owning my own business until the start of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, It was just a couple months before that. So it's a terrifying time to really launch out and start your own business. But she has been an amazing cheerleader and amazing support. And I don't know what I did to be lucky enough to marry her because I have thrown up more than my fair share of challenges over the past couple of years. And she's been willing to support and kind of flex it to the business needs as well. Oh, wow. It sounds like you have a great cheerleader in your area. Yeah. yeah. Because I can imagine when people think of you're leaving a six-figure job, what, are you crazy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I still think it's crazy, if I'm being honest. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, I mean, one of the things I ask my clients in the first couple of sessions is what sets your soul on fire? Mm. And I loved my jobs. I loved the people I worked with. I loved what I did. Getting up every day was never a challenge, but it didn't set my soul on fire. Mm. So I love that. And all Mm. along you were, before you became a certified parent coach, you were already all, all along fostering kids or did that happen? after you became a certified parent coach? Did that have the certified parent coach come before the fostering? What was that? The the parent coaching came after fostering. It it was a byproduct of our first foster placement was, um, if I could swear, I would say an S show. Uh, It was, (laughs) it was absolutely Looney Tunes and, Daily, we were reaching out saying, we need help, we need support, we need resources, we need to find a way to make this work. And they were like, figure it out. You're fine. And it was the situation we really haven't talked about much with a lot of people in our lives. But the children that were in our home first had significant challenges. Uh, The foster care system children are leveled based on their level of needs. And one of the children was the highest level of need. And that came Mm -hmm. out later on in the process. And actually, it wasn't until the social worker brought the children on a visit and something happened on the car ride and the social worker apologized 
She said, I'm sorry, I didn't know. I thought you were first time foster parents and you didn't understand, you know, what this looked like and you didn't know what parenting was like. She's like, I didn't listen to you and I'm sorry. Oh, wow. And yeah, it was, it was, it was a deeply emotional conversation because our friends and family felt the same way about the fact that we just didn't know what we were getting into. Mm-hmm. And so we were alone on our little island of trying to figure it out. And we had this one beacon of hope. She was someone that I didn't really know. We were connected through the fostering world and she came over and babysat and she offered support. And she said, you know what? It doesn't always have to be this way. There just needs to be a huge change in trauma Mm -hmm. parenting. And she started me on that process. And actually, I'm very pleased to say that she is my assistant now. Oh, that is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So she she was a huge change in, in our lives. And I'm happy to have her on the team. So when a parent, a biological parent comes to you, what skills do you work with them on? Anything. So I, it's very clear that I'm a parent coach rather than a parenting coach. It's very, it's a very important, but very small distinction in that I help with skills that are necessary to be a healthy and appropriate parent, even if that's not specific related to child. And why I'm successful is because a lot of the parents I work with, they only see their kids for maybe an hour a week. Mm. And it's really hard to work on parenting skills when you only see your child for an hour a week. So I work with them on relationship skills and frustration tolerance and parenting styles And we do a lot of work, uh, attachment related work. We talk a lot about punishment versus discipline, understanding struggles and a lot of different things, but it's presented in a way where they can practice in their daily life, Mm -hmm. even when they don't see their children all the time. And it makes a huge difference in the parent child relationship as well. Because it's like they're creating new habits because it's like, mm-hmm. if, like you said, they don't see their child. They can still do that habit. So exactly. I love that because mm-hmm. I think they said if you do a habit like 21 days straight, that you're more likely to maintain that habit. So I love that you said you're teaching them to do it with and without their kids so that they don't have to always have their kids with them because in foster care, you don't know when they're going to be able to visit their kids. We... We had a phrase. Uh, So back to the foster parent thing. When children come into your home, a lot of foster parents have shoulds. Well, they're seven. They should be able to do this or this or this. Or they're three. They should be able to do this or this or this. And really, it's important for foster parents and adoptive parents to meet their kids where they are. We've had children who are preteens that didn't know how to take a shower or Mm. didn't know how to use utensils or didn't know how to clean themselves after they go to the bathroom. And rather than taking like a shaming approach and like, well, how don't you know? And all of that, we take a laughter approach and we make things silly and fun 
And it's actually been scientifically proven that you can develop a skill much faster if you do the repetitions while laughing. And your your brain creates those neural pathways more quickly if you are practicing that skill while laughing. So I use a lot of laughter, a lot of silliness in both my personal life and professional life. And, you know, I never knew that. So that's, I learned something new. <laughs> you think it's because the brain kind of puts something positive if you're learning the skill? I think so. I There was one point where I read the exact brain science because I'm a brain science nerd. But it has to do with the ways that the neural pathways are created. And I think it's left-right brain integration is is really what it does so it's bringing an emotion in with a logical task and it's it's connecting the two sides of the brain i believe but don't quote me on that one (laughs) (laughs) so who were the three most influential people for you i would say the three most influential people number one was our social worker uh she was the one who said you've got something here. And it would be really great if you worked with people. And actually, it's the same social worker that helped me change my niche from foster parents to biological parents. Mm -hmm. So she's been extremely influential. And then another person is actually Dan Siegel. Uh, which if I ever got to meet him, I would be so excited. But he is uh, one of the fathers of interpersonal neurobiology. He wrote uh, the parent forward books such as The Power of Showing Up and The Yes Brain and The Whole Brain Child and all of those books. And he's also done the research, which um, books like... uh, Let's see here, Mindsight, or I've got one over here, The Mindful Brain. He does a lot with mindfulness. And he, through his writings, has helped me see a different way uh, in just relating to the world, relating to children, things along those lines. And then the last one, I'd have to say, is Dr. Karen Purpose. Um May she rest in peace. She is the the creator of TBRI, Trust-Based Relational Intervention. And she's got the Karen Purvis Institute in Texas and at Texas Christian University. And she has done a lot of work. She created this institute. And it's working with children who have experienced trauma and very specific approaches that can be used to improve those interactions. And it's, honestly, it's fascinating. She has a secular and a non-secular approach, and the research and evidence-based knowledge behind it is fascinating. It sounds fascinating. I mean, (laughs) it sounds like you definitely took some time and researched what you were doing before you Mm -hmm. actually jumped into it. So how long did it take from the time you started your research to the time you actually started to take the courses? Three years. Uh, I, over the past five years, I've consumed over 1500 hours of content. And I would say 1200 of that was before I started the parent coach Institute. 
Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like, it was a full-time job. Um, <laughs> just reading, if if I wasn't actively parenting the children in my home, if I wasn't actively doing my corporate job, I was researching. I was reading articles. I was reading books. I was watching webinars. I was attending seminars, everything. It became like one of the pillars of, of what my life was. So what made you decide to go the route of getting, going to the Institute and getting a certified parent coaching certificate or whatever? I chose the parent coach Institute or the PCI by reputation. And this is going to sound really silly, but I mentioned earlier that I had my own stuff around a parent coach and just credibility because Mm -hmm. it's not, uh, it's not regulated like a therapist or other professionals in that regard. And the PCI is a year long program and a lot of other programs are three or six months. And the PCI, the Parent Coach Institute, you have to do 100 hours of pro bono supervised coaching and other programs you might not have to do any or you might only have to do 20, 30 hours. And so I thought, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to find the most challenging program I can find Mm -hmm. and make sure that I'm setting myself up for the greatest amount of success. And I love the program. Gloria DeGatano is the person who created the PCI. And I've had the privilege of speaking with her on a number of occasions. And the amount of thought that she put into the Parent Coach Institute, the amount of thought she put into the program and uh, the future relations between coaches and parents is is staggering. I wouldn't be surprised if that was in the thousands of hours as well. Wow. So how many people normally go through the course? Like when you were going through the course, how many people? Because was it totally online? It was totally online. And they have different cohorts and they keep them small. So our cohort, it had four people that we went through over the year long program. And some people left and someone joined, which ended up making for the most amazing cohort, like the three of us, Mm -hmm. we still talk almost daily. And what's really great is the PCI is a global program. So uh, the last thing you have to do besides writing your final paper about your case studies is you have to coach a live person. And the person that we had to coach, we got partnered with a program that was overseas. And so we had the ability to coach someone of a vastly different culture mm. than, than Americanized culture is. And what's really great about that is you have to learn how to take your personal biases and thought processes and throw that out the window because not everyone is of the same culture and background as you. And so, mm. uh, that was also an amazing experience. It sounds like it was. And it sounds like it's definitely a very credible institute because like mm-hmm. you said, it's a year long, you're writing papers, you're doing, instead of just showing up and doing a meeting, because I yeah. know there's a lot of life coaches and mindset coaches now that are like, oh, we're certified, but they're <laughs> not really certified because they're not 
they, they certified under another coach because it's a program that the other coaches created. But this one, it sounds like for the whole year that you had to be together, writing papers, doing mm-hmm. your hours, everything. Well, and it's amazing because the Parent Coach Institute is connected with Seattle Seattle Pacific University. So um, everything is graded. I mean, I wrote, I think it ended up being double space, something like 14, 15 pages long was one of my papers. Mm-hmm. Like you do a lot of research, you have to do a lot of analysis, you have to write about all of your coaching that you do and talk about it and you do supervision and you are eligible for credit through Seattle Pacific University as well. So it's, I would have to say it is one of the most credible programs out there. And it's definitely the program that I felt the most confidence leaving uh, when I was done. Well, I can say definitely sounds to me like it is the most credible program because I have (laughs) not heard of any coaching program that you have is attached to a university. Exactly. So it's nice. Yeah. Yeah. So you, people aren't looking at you like, yeah, you're a coach. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then you can have credentials to show that it backed up. So I love that. Absolutely. So is there anything else you want to share? Uh, Well, I'm very excited to share that I wrote a book and it is with the publisher And so it's not available for purchase, but it will be. And it is, uh, it's my biggest tips that I have when I work with clients. It's the biggest homework assignments that make the most amount of progress. I put them into this book because I am many months away from being able to take any new referrals. And I want to be able to help as many people as I possibly can. So I put my biggest tips and suggestions into this book and it's with the publisher now so it'll be out I would say early spring wow do you see you expanding your business to be beyond you like taking on other parent coaches not only other parent coaches I'm actively in the process of figuring out everything I need to do to also bring on therapists Mm. so I'd like my business to have parent coaches therapists and visit supervisors who have a little bit of training in a couple of different areas uh, to be able to meet these parents in multiple facets of their needs. Yeah, because I know a lot of kids are drowning in the foster care system. The, the foster care system period is drowning. You know, social workers are overworked. So I think this is such a great support to them as well. Exactly right. The foster care system, there are so many kids drowning and The interesting thing, I was having this conversation on the way home, children in the foster care system have oodles and boodles and tons and tons and tons of supports to help them through the process. And it's the foster parents and biological parents where there are some gaps. So my aim is to be able to bring on enough people to be able to wrap support around all of the adults for the children that are in care. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So where can people find you? People can find me online. Uh, My website is thefosterlane.com. And then my Facebook and Instagram are thefosterlane-parentcoaching. I'm more active on Facebook than I am Instagram. I know my own limits and I'm not great at Instagram. Mm -hmm. Um, But those would be the three places that I could be found. 
Well, Sarah, I want to thank you for joining us today and chatting about being a certified parent coach. Okay, I want to thank you for joining us today and talking about certified parent coaching and your passion for foster care system and the biological parents, because sometimes in the foster care system, they're the ones that get kind of left out. Exactly. And thank you so much for having me. And the, your background is gorgeous and your dog didn't even move. I know she, she can barely see her. She's like in the very corner. You can only okay. see part of her leg. Yeah. Yeah. She's asleep. She's like, <laughs> I, I tried to get her to move over a little bit more so she would be in the yeah. shop, but no, she didn't want it to. She wasn't having that. She wasn't having no. that. And this is actually um, from my blog cabin. It's a, a she shed that I converted into my office outside of the home. Oh, nice. Like you, I work from home, so I needed that space where I could just shut the door and just forget about laundry or kitchen or dishes or anything else and just yeah. come out and work. So that's what I created my own. It's beautiful. We call it the blog cabin. So I love it. It's beautiful. Thank you. Well, Sarah, thank you for joining us today. And guys, we will see you on the next chat from the blog cabin. Bye. <laughs> Yeah, I really hope you enjoy this episode of Chats in the Blog Cabin. Um, Sarah, like I said, is a certified parenting coach. And I love the fact that her program that she goes through is with an accredited university. Folks, I will tell you that you need to start looking around at these coaches out there because some of them don't have the credentials to be coaches. Some of them have a program that they created themselves, and I am included. I actually have a blogging course that I created, but I did it because I had the experience to teach other people, and I've been teaching and mentoring other people for a couple of years now. But there are some that are going through and getting certifications through coaches who really have no business being coaches because they're not um certified they're not the people um they're not sharing their life authentically online as well as offline and so i really really um stress cannot stress enough about making sure that you follow up and you check the references of these people that that have coaching um in their background also guys um i really love the fact that sarah was actually a foster parent who saw the need for some kind of parent coaching so that the kids that have biological parents that want to be back in their lives, that they can join the family together. And I love the fact that she, her and her wife actually adopted a child through the foster care system. And that when she adopted her family tree became an orchard. And that's just amazing. Um, real quick, you want to see her on Facebook. It's the foster lane hyphen parent coaching her website is www.thefosterlane.com and you can email her at sarah at thefosterlane.com when she is ready to get her book um out i will add it in in the show notes but as always i thank you so much for being part of the podcast family and i'm trying something new with the intro and the extra so if you don't like it let me know please um i would love for you to leave a rating and review because it it helps me. It helps to get this podcast out in front of other people. And as you can see, I'm not afraid to talk about the tough topics. And I'm not afraid to tell you, hey, I'm going to call you on your crap if it happens. So thank you so much for being part of the podcast family. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. And remember, keep chatting.